Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. We want to welcome those that are watching online all over the world. Let's give our online audience and church members out there that connect with us a big hand. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Yes! Just say, pour it all out. Pour it all out. I want to preach to you the final message in our St. Paul series. How many have gotten something out of the St. Paul series we've been in? I pray you have. If you haven't, man, I don't know what's going to get you on fire for God. This series has been so encouraging, so empowering. We've been looking at a man's life who was really just so impacted radically by the love of Jesus, by the light of Jesus, that he did a 180. He was headed one direction, opposing Jesus, but by the grace of God, he did a complete 180 and started going radically after Jesus. You know, at Victory, we say this confession every week. I'm here on purpose. I have a purpose. My heart is open. Mind is ready to receive. My best days are still in front of me. God's not done with me yet. I have victory in my life. We say this confession, but many of you don't know the story about it because it was a moment in my life where the light, it was a Damascus moment like St. Paul where God really changed a direction in my life. In fact, it was right after my father had passed and I was battling depression. And every week I would drive to church, I was getting more discouraged because people who missed my father and, and it was just a tough time in our church. It was a stormy season and my mom was leading our church with great perseverance, great strength. She's a hero to me, Pastor Sharon, my mom. But I remember during that time just feeling discouraged, so discouraged that I just felt like throwing in the towel. And I kept hearing different people say, man, the best days are behind us. Billy Joe's not here anymore. And, and I heard just these negative words and it was playing in my mind and I started saying it, feeling it. And one Saturday night I was coming here to preach and there was like maybe 150, 200 people here and the parking lot felt empty in a room that seats almost 5,000 people. I mean, it just, it felt really rough. And I was driving up to the parking lot and I felt so discouraged. I just I didn't even want to preach and I was like, man, these people don't want to hear me. They would rather hear my dad. He's in heaven and I was mad and, and God said, change your confession. I said, man, the best days are behind us. And I heard God say, change the narrative. You've got to change the narrative. And I was like crying, sitting in my car, just this heavy spirit, this heaviness. And so I pulled out a pen and a napkin. And I start writing these words down. I was, I was hearing God say, Paul, you're here on purpose. I didn't feel like I was here on purpose, but I started writing it down. Sometimes you have to write it before you believe it. Sometimes you're writing prophetically so that you can get somewhere that you're not there yet. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God, and then I couldn't finish the sentence because I felt so discouraged and so depressed. I just thought, God is finished. He's finished with me. He's finished with the Doherty's. He's finished with victory. I felt so defeated on the inside. But I heard this whisper from God. You've got to be careful what whispers you listen to. Because there's an accusing whisper that says he's done with you. He's done with your family. He's done because you missed it. You blew it. You messed up. Things aren't going to turn around. But there's another whisper, right? And it's the whisper of God. And, he, and I, I just heard his voice saying, I'm not finished with you, Paul. 
I'm not finished with the Doherty's. I'm not finished with Victory Church in Tulsa. You ain't seen nothing yet. If there's breath in your lungs, he's not finished with you yet. Turn to someone next to you and say, he's not done with you. Obviously, you're still breathing. He's not done with you. So I wrote that on the napkin. He's not finished with me yet. And then I wrote the next line. And this was tough because I didn't believe it, but I wanted to. My best days. My best days, God. I know I don't feel it. I know I can't see it. Everything around me seems dark, but I'm going to write. My best days are still in front of me. No, they're, 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 they're right in front of me. They're right in front. They're just around the corner. I know they're going to come. I know my best days will be here soon. And then I wrote this down, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. I took that little napkin. I came into our Saturday night service, about a 150, 200 people in here, and, and God said, I want you to have the church say it. That was the first time we said it. That was about five and a half years ago. I wasn't the pastor here yet. I was, I was serving my mom. She was the senior pastor, and I was preaching Saturday nights. But I heard God say, you, you've got to lead this confession with the church. So I did, and you could just feel people in the room like, come on. <laughs> we just didn't feel like our best days were in front of us at the time. We just didn't feel that encouragement, that hope, but we had to change the narrative, change the confession. And God said, I want you to speak to section C and section B. I want you to speak to those empty chairs. And I, I didn't know what to do. I just, so I'm looking, because our Saturday night service, we were just right here on the floor. And I said, and all of you are in section B. And people turned around. <laughs> Who's he talking to? There's nobody back there. It's empty. And I said, and all of you in section C. God said, you've got to see it in here before you see it out there. You've got to see it in here. I don't know who this is for, but I just feel like I was supposed to share the reason we say that confession. It's not a mundane thing for me. Every time I say it, I'm reflecting back on that moment. Because I want you to know there's people in this room that when you say that confession, it's breaking a bondage off your mind and your heart. It's prophetically declaring where your life is about to go. So I said, everyone in section C, and you know, people turn around and I said, let's declare this together. But did you know, church, we are stepping into our best days yet. We are here. God is moving. We are walking in victory. God has so much more, and we ain't seen nothing yet. That's what I want to tell you. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is a final message in the St. Paul series. Paul was ending his life, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He was telling Timothy, my life has been radically impacted by the grace of God. I was going one direction. I was oppressed, depressed, possessed, but God got a hold of me. He changed my life. I started walking in my best days yet. Timothy, this life is worth living. This life is worth living. And then he tells Timothy in chapter 4. This is Paul's final words, his final chapter. If you had one last conversation with a family member before you died, before they died, what would you say? If it was your final speech, your last sermon that you would preach before you died, what would you say? This was Paul's final sermon. Before I leave, let me leave you with this. Before I go, he knew his departure was coming. Paul would be decapitated by the Emperor Nero, who was killing Christians on a regular basis. He was throwing Christians into a Roman Colosseum arena, and they would let loose lions to go and rip apart these Christians. 
And then he would take other Christians and he would hang them up on poles in his palace and light them on fire, pour oil over their head and use them as night lamps for his palace. He was a wicked emperor and Paul knew he was coming for him. He knew his time was about to end. He would die in 68 AD. This was his last chapter. He was writing Timothy, his final words, my last sermon. And he says in verse one, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. In other words, Paul, he was focused on eternity. There's a judge. I know it's summertime. I know it's fun. I know we haven't really preached a sermon on eternity in a long time, and maybe you haven't heard one in a while, but it's due time we start looking at our lives in light of eternity because it's coming. It's coming. Paul said, there's a judge, and he will judge you. He will judge you. So Timothy, I charge you. Jesus is coming soon. The kingdom of God is real. There is a massive amount of time after this life. This life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's short. Time is running out. I have with me today a rope because I want you to see what Paul was saying to Timothy. He was saying, this life, this life is so short. If you can zoom in on this rope, you see this black part right here? This black part on the end of the rope? You see that? Where it changes to blue? This is your life. The rest of it, Caleb, will you take that? And will you just start walking that way? Yeah. If we can untangle it, sometimes life gets tangled up. Don't get tangled up in the wrong relationships. Come on, we got illustrations inside of illustrations inside of illustrations. Sometimes you get dropped, but God hasn't forgotten you. <laughs> this is, hey, listen, listen, listen. Okay, all right, we're hurting people. Yeah, we'll just stop right there. We'll stop right there. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Don't sue us. Um, <laughs> just keeping it real on Sunday morning. <laughs> listen, this is your life. This small little part right here. This is your time here on earth. That's eternity. This is your time on earth. You say, no, no, Paul, it's, it's so long. I'm going to live 100 years. This is your 100 years. No, I'm going to live 120 years. This is your 120 years. Forever is a long time. How are you living your life? Have you considered eternity? is so much longer than your time here on earth. I could do anything I want. You can, but what will it look like in eternity? It's not a big deal, it's summertime. I can do anything, I can say anything, I can sleep around, I can do whatever I want to do. It's my life, and in my final breaths, I'll call on Jesus. And so many people, they barely get into heaven. Paul said there's gonna be people that just barely get in and their final breaths they'll call on Jesus and because he's so merciful he will let you in even in your 11th hour but once you get to heaven there's rewards that await those who live their life for Jesus there is an eternity and I don't know about you I don't want to get to heaven and God say you barely made it but I love you I want him to say well done thou good and faithful servant you stuck with it. You spent this life. You made it 
count. You don't have to be a pastor to make it count. You don't have to be a missionary in another country. You could be a stay-at-home mom, a plumber, a teacher, a coach, a doctor, a businessman, an investor. But whatever you do, live your life in light of eternity. In other words, I've done a, few, a lot of funerals as a pastor. Thank you, Caleb. You can bring it back. We won't hurt anybody. Yeah, praise the Lord. We made it. You can leave it right there. I just want people to see this rope. I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. And even though I'm a young pastor, it seems like every month there's an opportunity in, in our church or with people that we know to do funerals. And oftentimes I'm sitting with the family and I'm asking them, you know, what, what do you remember about your loved one? What do you remember about your dad? And I've had the opportunity to actually sit in hospital rooms where someone spent their final breaths in front of their family. In fact, I remember even this year, I did a funeral for someone who was about 23 years old. He was 22 or 23. And the sickness he had, it happened so fast. It just, it suddenly took over. So I, I know this, death does not discriminate against anyone. It comes. Eternity is coming for everyone. None of us escape eternity. None of us can escape death. Here's the reality. At some point, the Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. At some point, you will stand before God. Paul David Doherty's name will be called to stand before God. This eternity. And what I did in my vapor of a life, how I treated people, how I lived, how I forgave, how I listened, how I responded to God's promptings, my obedience. God will look at all of it. He sees everything. Nothing can be hidden from God. And so here Paul is. He's telling Timothy, eternity is coming. I'm charging you. I'll tell you this. When I've sat in hospital rooms with people, their final conversations, they don't say this. Man, I wish I would have spent a few more days at work. I wish I would have left church a little bit earlier each Sunday so I could go eat more. I wish I would have, I wish I would have prayed less. I wish I would have spent less time with my family. I wish I would have followed Jesus less. You know what they say? I wish I would have treated my family better. I wish I would have worshiped God more. I wish I would have prayed longer. I wish I would have gone to church a little bit more. I wish I would have lived for Jesus a little bit more. You can leave today anytime you want to, but I'm telling you this is one of the most important things you do with your time is honoring God being in his presence, studying his word, encouraging other believers, getting instructions for what God wants to do in and through your life. Don't take this time lightly. When I was in Africa two weeks ago, the pastor there, he said, is America ready for revival? I said, man, I want to believe we are because he said, we're in our 647th day of straight revival. It's changed our economy. It's prospered businesses. It's healed families and marriages. It's healed people physically, emotionally. People are getting saved. Is America ready for that? I said, I want to believe we are. He said, how long can they handle staying in the presence of God? At what point do they leave to go watch more sports and go do more pleasure and entertaining things? How long can they linger? Because he said, it didn't happen for us until we broke the point of comfort and we lingered long enough in the uncomfortable to experience the revival that God had for us. Can I tell you, church, we are headed towards revival. Victory Conference in August is gonna spark something powerful in this church. And I wanna encourage you, linger. Don't be in such a hurry to get out of God's presence because one day you'll stand before him as your judge. And he won't quiz you on all the stats you memorized about all the latest athletes and how you stayed up long enough to watch Paul George join the thunder. Come on, we're thankful. But he will say, did you obey what I asked you to do? 
How did you treat people that could do nothing for you? When you had the chance to give, did you give? When you had the chance to encourage, when you needed to forgive someone, did you let it go? So here Paul's telling Timothy, he says, eternity is coming. I give you this charge, Timothy. In verse 2, he says this. He says, preach the word of God. Be prepared in season and out of season. Everybody say, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I'll never forget going to China in 2007. In 2007, we went to Beijing as a church, 17 of us, and we, we landed in the airport, and I saw clocks all across the airport. Then we got into the streets. I saw clocks in the streets. We got to the hotel. I saw clocks across the hotel. And what was standing out to me is they, they were different type of clocks. They were countdown clocks. It said 11 months, 26 days, 13 hours, 21 seconds. And I was thinking, what? What are these clocks for? And I heard people in the hotel, have you heard? Have you not heard? The Olympics are coming to Beijing. The Olympics will be here in 2008. We only have 11 months, 26 days, 13 hours, 21 seconds. We're on high alert. We're getting ready. We've been building more hotels. We've all been studying English. We want to be ready when the Olympics happen in the summer of 2008. How many of y'all watched the Olympics in 2008 in Beijing when the army came out on the field and they marched in formation as the torch was being passed? I sat there in amazement because I was there 11 months prior to this and I watched them getting ready. They were preparing. And how does the church treat the return of Jesus? No big deal. I don't know if he's coming. Let's get out of here. I'd rather be entertained. I'd rather just have an entertaining. Just give me what my itching ears want to hear. Paul said, you must be ready. His final words, his last sermon was, Timothy, get ready. Jesus is coming back soon. Preach the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience, careful instruction. On that same trip, we were walked back down this alleyway one night. We were meeting with a very important person. He wasn't a diplomat. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't a wealthy man. He was a man in his 90s, I believe. He was an older Chinese pastor. We had to go down these several alleyways and back behind doors and behind these closed, you know, buildings and fronts that, that, that fronted us something. And we got back there and they shut all the doors, turn off all your phones. And we sat there as this elderly man came in and he began to tell us how many times he had been thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. He began to tell us how they had beaten him how they had beaten him several times in prison for preaching the gospel. And he smiled, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I felt like I was sitting with a modern day Apostle Paul. This man was responsible for getting the Bible and getting the gospel into so many places of China where it was outlawed. It's worth it. It's worth it. I remember sitting there just thinking, Man, someday I'm going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I'm going to be sitting across this man. You're going to be sitting across the table from a little seven-year-old girl that was thrown in the Roman Colosseum while a lion came out and ate her because she would not recant her faith. And she'll be sitting beside you, and she'll say, tell me your story. Tell me about your sacrifice. Tell me how you met Jesus. 
I think sometimes in America, we, we forget that so many people are being persecuted for their faith. And we complain about first world problems. And here, Paul is pouring out to Timothy, Timothy, live your life for Jesus. Spend everything you have for him. Then it says in verse three, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You've got to be discerning about your ears because sometimes your ears want to hear things that your spirit doesn't need. And sometimes your ears resist things that your spirit actually does need to mature and grow up. It could be that even things I'm saying now is frustrating you. That's not fair. That's wrong. And yet the Holy Spirit is using it to try and mature you for eternity. I'll never forget sitting in Goldie's restaurant right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, down the street, 57th and Lewis. And I was sitting across from, I, I was sitting on the same booth as Oral Roberts, Chancellor Oral Roberts and his wife, Evelyn. And, and I was like six and a half, seven years old. And my parents were there. And my older sisters were there. And my older brother was there. We were all there and we were eating Goldie's hamburgers. And I just couldn't get my eyes off of Oral's ears. His ears were so big. And I was so amazed at his ears. And I know that's so foolish and naive, but I was a little boy. Remember when you were little too? Yeah, some of y'all forgot, you grew up. But there I was, I was sitting there and just staring at his ears and he looked at me and said, what you looking at, son? I said, I'm looking at your ears. They're amazing. Can I touch your ears? And he just looked at my dad, Billy Joe. My dad just puts his head down. And I just touched his earlobe. Just wanted to feel that ear. And he was just smiling. He thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. This was the man that built the university across the street. What was so special about his ears was that he was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He had an ear to God's voice. Who are you listening to? Are you tuned in with God? Paul's final sermon to Timothy was don't let the itching of the ears distract you from the truth of God's word. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. But Timothy, stay in the word of God. Have an ear to the spirit of God, to the words of God, even if it makes you uncomfortable, makes you feel inconvenient. Get your ear in tune with the Holy Spirit. You need to hear him. And I love what Paul told Timothy in in verse five, he says, but you, but you, turn to someone next and say, but you, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. The irony that Paul would lose his head, but he would not lose his soul. What Paul was telling Timothy is keep your soul, keep, keep a watch over your doctrine, keep a watch over your mind, over your heart. Don't compromise. Don't recant your faith. I'll never forget in 1999, seeing on the news what happened in Columbine, Colorado, when a shooter walked into a school, pointed a gun at a girl named Rachel Scott. Do you believe in Jesus? This was her test, her moment. Yes, I believe. She refused to recant her faith. What Paul was telling Timothy is, you've gotta be committed even unto death to following Jesus.
You've got to be committed. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Do the work of an evangelist. Watch in verse 5. He says this. He says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. When I read that, the first thing I thought, I thought he was saying, delegate your duties. Empower other leaders. That's, for some reason, that's what I thought. The more I began to study it and read all the translations, what he was saying is, Timothy, save nothing for the next life. Get every ounce of your life out here. Spend it all. Give it all you've got. Pour all your sweat, your blood, your tears into this ministry of following after Jesus because one day you'll step into eternity and your time will be up. Discharge every part of you. What Paul was saying in the next verse, he said, Timothy, I want you to know my life is already being poured out. My life is already being poured out as a drink offering to God. I've been spending every part of me. If there's anything inside me, I've been giving it to Jesus. Timothy, you've got to pour it all out. Everybody say, pour it all out. Pour it all out. Every gift, every talent, every resource, every idea. Save nothing for the next life. This is it. This is your life. Wake up. It's passing by. Every year, 55 million people die. That's two people a second. Two people. Eternity is coming. You're not promised tomorrow. Paul said, live every day like it's your last. If you have a book inside, you get it out. If you play the piano, don't stop playing. If you sing, don't stop singing. Paul, I know you're a pastor, but don't neglect your gift of guitar playing and songwriting. Pour every part of your life, every ounce, every gift, every talent, because one day you'll get to heaven. And if you got anything left inside you, you don't want to live with any regrets. Love your kids. Love your wife. Forgive anyone you've been holding grudges against. Write notes of encouragement. Hug every person you see. Be a friend to everyone you know. Pour it all out. Stop saving stuff as if you got hundreds of years to live. Give it all you got. Own the moment. Paul was telling Timothy, this is it. I'm leaving. This is my final chapter, Timothy, and I'm spending it all on you. If you had one last sermon to preach, who would you preach to? What would you do? You say, Paul, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Go find someone to love. Go to a nursing home, a hospital. Call up your mom today. Call up your dad. Call up that relative. Call up a friend. Spend time with your children. Love them like it's your last week left. Let's stop living like we got hundreds of years left. I want to pour it all out. This week, I want to love my wife like I need to love her. Like, I, I want to love my kids. I want to hug my grandma. I want to preach to people in Walmart. I want to lead someone to Jesus. I want to stop acting like I got hundreds of years. This is it. Pour it out. Pour it out. Tap three people. Say, pour it all out. 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 I'm so, I'm so on fire right now. This last week, I've just been studying 2 Timothy 4, and I can't shake it. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I'll never forget my final sermon as the college pastor at Victory. I was pastoring 3D, our college ministry. And I sat down with three different mentors. I called them up, because they don't all live here. And I just said, what should I preach on? It's my last sermon as the college pastor, I'm getting ready to become the lead pastor, what should I do? And this one mentor, he, he got really emotional with me on the phone. He said, Paul, 
I preach every sermon like it's my last one yet. So he said, I want to challenge you. I want to charge you. Preach not only this sermon, but every sermon as if it's your final one that you've got left because you aren't promised tomorrow. Give every person an opportunity to get right with God. Give every person a chance to surrender to Jesus because they're not promised tomorrow. I sat in the hospital room with a 19-year-old a few years back and he had a longboarding accident and he stepped into eternity at 19. Graduated from our school. I was in the hospital room with his parents when he passed into eternity. I'm crying because I'd known this kid. I'd gone on mission trips with him. I was his youth leader. I was a missions leader. And um, I was so thankful because the night that he got in the longboarding accident, earlier that night he came to church and he was down at the altar and he was worshiping God. When you come to church each week, come like it's your last service yet. Give it all you got. I was joking last night with my brother-in-law that sometime, sometimes, we just need to do an altar call for everyone in the entire room, that every person, 100% of us would just respond to say, I'm going all in for Jesus. Because sometimes it's only like a quarter of us or an eighth of us. What if we just had a church-wide response? What if I turned the altar call around and I just came to your chair and we just had the altar call right there at your chair. But what I'm saying is that you would have this response to God, Lord, I'm gonna give it all out. This is Paul, he says, my, my time is drawing near. My departure is almost here and I'm being poured out. And look what he says in verse seven, I'm almost done. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. Lord, I wanna say that at the end of my life. I fought, I finished, I kept the faith. This is where we find our doctrine, our theology. We're sticking with this. I'm gonna keep the faith no matter what's going on around me, no matter what famous people are gonna say, I'm finding truth in God's word. I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith. I'm gonna finish the race. Doesn't mean I may miss it at times. Doesn't mean I may trying to be jumping over hurdles and knocking hurdles down, but I'm gonna keep getting back up. I'm gonna keep running. I'm gonna stay on the track. I'm gonna keep moving forward. I'll never forget competing in a, in a track meet and this, this it was wild, this guy, it was the hurdles. You know, you gotta jump over the hurdles. Y'all know the hurdles? Okay, so he's jumped, every hurdle he jumped over, he knocked him down, and he would fall down too, but he just kept getting back up, just kept going. And he finished the race, but he knocked down every hurdle, and he fell down after every hurdle. But the thing I loved about him is he was relentless, he just kept getting back up. Maybe that's you today. Finish your race. And then he says this in verse eight, he says, now there is in store for me the crown. Everybody say the crown. One of the most popular shows on TV today is the crown, the crown, the crown. But the crown that Paul was talking about, it was a crown that would be later mentioned in Revelation 3 and 4 that would be thrown back at the feet of Jesus. The crown was not to make you look pretty. The crown was to say, I lived my life for Jesus and it was all worth it and all the glory goes back to him. All the rubies, all the jewels, all the beautiful crowns, they don't stay on our heads to exalt ourselves. They go back to the King of Kings. As a kid, I used to go to Burger King I get a chicken sandwich with extra mayonnaise and I get the Burger King crown. Because I thought, I want to be a king. I want to be a king. And I put on the crown. But I don't want to get to heaven and, and get a paper crown. 
I don't, I don't want to just waste my life. I want to give everything I got. I, I, I want a real crown. What kind of crown are you living for? What kind of crown are you giving towards? How you treat people around you, people that can do nothing for you, how you treat the people that have been so rude and look down on you. Everything we do is for a crown, not to wear, but for a crown that goes back at the feet of Jesus. That it's at his feet. We bring all the crowns and we say, Lord, it was for you. Paul said, this crown awaits me. Not only me, but also all who've longed for his appearing. But look what he says next. This was the part that really messed with me this week. He says, do your best, Timothy, to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas has forsaken me. Demas started out in the ministry. He started out as a believer, went down to an altar call gave his life to Jesus, got involved in the ministry, started serving, maybe as an usher first, maybe as a greeter. Then along the way, he started maybe going to Bible college training classes, asked Paul, can I be a part of your ministry? Can I teach sometime? And Paul started using him more and more in the church. And somewhere along the journey, he's pouring out. And sometimes when you're pouring yourself out, you start feeling empty, you start feeling discouraged. Things in life happen. And if you're not being refilled, by the river of living water, if you're not continuing to soak up in God's presence and God's word and God's grace, you start feeling discouraged. Somewhere on the journey, Demas got discouraged. Somewhere along the path of pouring out, somewhere along the race, he fell down. And instead of getting up and running forward, he just stopped. It says, he fell in love with the things of this world. The things of this life became more attractive to him than the race he was called to run. How many people have walked away from their faith because they think there's something better out there? I'm just tired of saying no. I'm just tired of resisting temptation. I just, I just wanna do what my flesh wants to do. I just wanna, I wanna indulge in what my flesh wants. I'm, I'm tired. Of, of trying to live for Jesus, trying to be pure. I'm tired, I'm single, I gotta do what I wanna do. I'm married, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. I've been pouring out, and so I'm, I'm gonna walk away. That's what Demas did. Some of the greatest singers today in our time started out as worship leaders, and today they've changed their songs. They've changed their lives. They've walked away from God. One of the highest paid men in Hollywood known as, as Hollywood's handsomest man. Started out as a believer, growing up in church right here in Oklahoma. He was interviewed just recently in the last year, a couple years, they said, you know, wh where do you stand on religion and faith? He laughed, he said, I grew up in church. I was in Sunday school. My parents, they were, they were hardcore into Jesus. But I got tired. I got exhausted. I saw things that frustrated me. And I walked away. And he said, I would consider myself an atheist today. How many people have walked away instead of coming back to the fount of living water? The good news is I've also seen on the same side some of today's 
top leading people that have made a return and surrendered their life to Jesus and come back to the fountain of living water and said, I've had enough of the world. I've tried every drug. I've slept around. I've seen it all. And I'm empty as blankety blank, blank, blank. But I found Jesus and he's the one that satisfied my soul. I'm tired of messing around in the world. I'm tired of living with one foot in faith and one foot in the world. I'm coming back. Today, it's time for some of you to come back. And I want to end with this video because I saw this and it just made me think about people like Demas. This guy was running his race in the Olympics. He had prepared for this race his whole life, trained. It was the race of his life, but somewhere on the journey, he tore something in the back of his leg. He felt it. The pain started to sear and all of a sudden he realized, this is it. I'm not going to win this race. He's standing there. He's sitting there and he's deciding what he's going to do. Am I going to walk off? But something inside him says, finish, finish, finish. If I have to hobble on one foot, I'm gonna finish my race. It's no longer about beating people. It's about beating me. It's about getting up. It's about resisting what my flesh wants. And he's so exhausted and, and discouraged that his father sees him from the stands. This happened on national news. His father runs out of the grandstands and says, son, I'm gonna help you finish strong. Son, you're not alone on this race. Son, I know you're discouraged. I know you're weary, but I'm gonna help you finish your race. I'm gonna get you through this, son. We're gonna get through this together. No matter how you failed, no matter how you missed it, husbands, wives, fathers, sons, single men, single women, we're gonna get through this. The father starts pushing people away. He says, that's my son. I'm gonna help him finish. That's my boy. You can't pull me away from him. God's love is inseparable for you. He's gonna get you to the finish line. He's gonna help you finish strong. Look, they keep trying to pull him away. He says, nope, I'm gonna help my son finish. Everybody say, I will finish. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. I'm gonna finish my race. I'm gonna pour it all out. I'm gonna live for Jesus. I'm gonna give everything I got. I might've missed it, but I'm not gonna walk off the track. There's a Father in heaven. Heaven is on their feet. They're cheering you on. I wanna do something right now. If you feel that God's speaking to you to finish strong in this season, to live for eternity, I want you to just leave your chair. Come and join me at this altar, all over this place. Let's just have a church-wide altar call. Let's just worship God today. Would you linger for a little bit longer in God's presence? Would you linger a little bit longer? Maybe you feel like you can't finish the race. Let today be a step on the track. I believe Father God is coming up beside you today and he's helping you even on your path down to this altar. He's saying, I'm going to carry you. I'm going to carry your marriage. I'm going to carry your family. I'm going to carry you in this next season. I'm going to help you finish strong. Whatever it is that's been tempting you, whatever it is that's been trying to get you to throw in the towel today, it's time to lift your eyes to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm living for eternity. I'm living for you. Go ahead, Samuel. Let's just worship. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it all. I believe it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it all. I believe it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be 
want you to look just for a moment at some pictures of people that lived their life for eternity. They ran their race. If you have those pictures, I want you to just throw these up. Mother Teresa, she lived. David Livingstone gave his life to serve Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He poured it all out. Stephen the martyr, he poured it all out. He said, I forgive you. William Seymour started the Azusa Street Revival. He poured it all out. Lester Sumrall, I did not quit. Oral Roberts, he poured it all out. Billy Graham, poured it all out. Billy Joe Darty, poured it all out. It's your turn, it's your turn, it's your turn. Hear the words of St. Paul today, he's saying it's your turn, it's your turn. Pour it all out, give it all you've got, finish your race, keep the faith, finish strong, fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up, don't walk off the track. God's gonna help you finish today. If there's anyone here today and you're not right with God, you wanna get right with God, I want you to just raise your hand today, all over this room. Today you're saying, I need to surrender. I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna repent of sin. I wanna know that my name is written in the book of life. I want heaven as my eternity. I'm gonna invite all of us to pray this prayer today, just as a, a prayer of surrender to say, Lord, I wanna pour it all out. I wanna give my life for you. And whatever I do, you could do it, at, you could do it in any occupation. God just wants your heart in surrender. Live this week like it's your last week left. Say this, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. Thank you, Jesus, that you poured it all out for me on the cross. You gave your life for mine. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. You rose from the dead to give me eternal life with you. Lord, I thank you that my eternity is with you. And in this life, I'm going to pour it all out. Everything I have, I'm going to give it all I've got. I'm going to live this life for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. I love you, church.